Start the week with Unmade. Setting the agenda for the week in media and marketing. Today, a chill in the air for media jobs. End of an era for millionaire hot seat. And nine closes in on Melbourne Cup rights. Unmade. It's Monday, November 27th. I'm Abe Beauty, and good morning, Tim Burrows. Good morning, Abe. I tried to get out of you just before we started recording what you're up to at the weekend, and you were like, well, we're going to wait and we're going to tell the listeners. So uh, how was your weekend? It was a good weekend, uh, Tim. My my son has gotten into uh, watching YouTube videos of guys that make go-karts, and so he's got in his mind he wants to make an electric go-kart, and so he's got his hammers and saws out. So we spent the the weekends traipsing the local tip shops and resource recovery centres looking for any sorts of bits and pieces that could be included in his go-kart. So if, you, if your idea of a fun weekend is cruising around the local tip shops then uh, you were you were living the dream excellent well this is how all of the all of the formula one stars start they all started in uh, go-kart racing and originally i thought you were going to say this is how all the youtube influencers start they all started traipsing around the local rubbish dumps and i thought you're probably not far wrong perhaps <laughs> but you, you you then need to kind of you know shoot and upload the content but you know maybe you should maybe we should tim how was your weekend how was the chess club Funnily enough, there was Chess Club, actually. Yes, I believe I... I know, in fact, I'm just being modest. I won my game, my little mini-series 2-1. So it was, uh, it, was a, it was a good weekend at Sisters Beach Chess Club. Anyway, where shall we start this week, Abe? Well, let's start this week with some really interesting news. Uh, Private Media, the publisher of Crikey, the headline in this morning's Australian is Crikey publisher Private Media has given staff until Monday to decide if they want a redundancy. What's going on here, Tim? Yeah, this one was reported at the end of last week, but there's more on it in the Australian today. So, um, as you say, Private Media, who own Crikey, amongst other publications, have briefed staff that um, there'll be eight redundancies, which, you know, compared to some organisations, bigger organisations, that that in the scheme of things isn't a huge number, but I seem to remember seeing it reported last week that amounts to about 15% of the staff. So three in editorial and five non-editorial roles. Um, so as well as um, Crikey Private Media also publishes Smart Company, The Mandarin, and um, it's got the, the local franchise of Inc., which is the sort of business title out of the, the US. Um, I think why this is maybe just slightly more worthy of talking about is um, uh, some of the detail that the Australian has got really feels like it probably applies to the wider media as a whole. Um, they've they've actually, and this is really interesting because I'm not sure if this was just crikey doing their issue management and making, av- or, sorry, private media making available their talking points or if they are actually leaked but um they've got quite a lot of detail from um uh will haywood the ceo who obviously we've talked to previously on the the podcast with unmade but um he talks about um the business plan for the company not going as hoped which had included revenue and audience growth initiatives um as well as um measures to improve our operating leverage through 
standardization, simplification, deprioritizing activities that weren't adding value and finding opportunities for cost savings, which which on the face of it sounds slightly like it's kind of um, business jargon. But I think when we unpack that with, with, with Will, when we recorded our interview with him a few months back, some of that um, is actually really interesting kind of publishing thinking, particularly just this line standardization. You know, that thinking of why have, um, you know, in half a dozen or a dozen in the future websites, all with slight publications, all with slightly different websites. Why not do that bit the same, standardize it, keep life simple, and then focus on the actual publishing, um, which still seems to me like good publishing strategy. Um, but of course you still need the revenue to come with it. And, um, you know, in this briefing to staff, you know, phrases like tough economic climate were used. Um, and, um, you know, saying that although they're a promising sign for revenue, um, hasn't been enough to balance out the overall reduction in revenue experienced. So I, 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 I do think this this is perhaps part of a wider story for the media. On the same topic of tough times in media, there's a wider piece in The Australian too. So headline in The Australian, again this morning, quite a lot in The Australian, media companies batten down hatches as ad spending titans. So that again um really focuses on what um what the australian describes as a malaise in advertising spending so i suppose we've talked about that a lot in television this year really particularly free to air television where um the the sort of dollars have partly gone out of advertising altogether as marketers maybe pull back a little bit you know as they sort of begin to worry about or have been worrying about the economy and some of it is about just the dollars flowing more and more into the platforms and away from traditional media so a couple of factors going on but yeah as the Australian pointing out yes we happen to be talking about private media and crikey but it's um it's a wider story across the media as a whole so which company or stock has has been most battered by the advertising downturn? Uh, you wrote in you wrote on Saturday about Seven's declining share price. Yeah, that and that really seemed to have taken off a bit. Um, or, or, or if something going down can be counted as taking off, uh, maybe may, maybe the opposite, taken down. Um, anyway, um, Seven's share price just since February has halved. Um, so on on Thursday of last week, it was at its lowest level since since November 2020, which was obviously the height of the pandemic. So, yeah, we saw Seven's share price drop to a market capitalization of about 350 million, which is really not a huge mu- amount when you think that's probably roughly what um, Seven is is paying on an annual basis for its AFL rights alone. Um, so there's definitely been some change in in sentiment. You know, over the last couple of weeks, we just saw this, and again, I was writing about this on Saturday. The share price, you know, dropping inexorably. You know, one point eight percent one day, three point seven percent on another day. You know, and then three point nine percent, four percent. So it really felt like sentiment was turning against Seven. Then all of a sudden. And I don't know why. On Friday morning, Seven's price, 
it didn't make up for all the falls, but suddenly jumped by 8.7% in a day. And that was completely different to the rest of the market. So things, things going on with seven at the moment who, um, you know, is clearly sort of still ready to do some deal making. They, they took that stake in ARN a couple of weeks back. Um, but, um, but yeah, definitely one that the, the stock market is a bit skeptical about at the moment. And speaking of Seven, they're launching a new publication. Yeah, they they are. Interesting, it's coming out of the West Australian again. Obviously, it's only a few days since um, we chatted to Nick Wren from um, the West Australian about the launch of Streamer, which is their community sports streaming service. The Nightly is also coming out of Seven West Media, or we think it's called The Nightly anyway, the the um, AFR wrote about this one on Friday. Um, they've trademarked the name The Nightly anyway. So this appears to be some sort of, um, I presume, general interest publication. Um, I thought what was interesting about Evenings is the fact that um, that's similar to what um, Spire have been, uh, Sire have been doing with Capital Brief going for sort of uh, afternoon slash evening publication. And one of the pieces of information is the former editor-in-chief of the Australian, Chris Dorr, um, has come on board the nightly as a columnist who they've rather optimistically have um, been saying internally that, Chris Dorr will be a Joe Aston like figure. Joe Aston, of course, being the uh, the former rear window columnist um, for the AFR who stepped back recently, which which is a big ask because really there is only one Joe Aston. Um, but yeah, int- interesting though that 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 Seven are clearly still, um, you know, even as TV is becoming a challenge, or perhaps because of that, um, pumping out new initiatives as well. Because of course, that's that's how you get through the disruption is you find a way of doing new mm. things. It was interesting to listen to the the podcast with Nick uh, from Streamer. I can see why they're doing it. I'm still not sure that's going to be setting the world on fire, though. It just, I don't know. My, I was listening to it, feeling a little bit sceptical, wondering, is it really going to make a dent? What were your thoughts? Um, look, I think as a service to the audience, I really, you know, it, it really makes sense. You know, just think of, you know, you obviously have, have children at school. Imagine if you can't get to the game and you want to be able to see a really important game to them. Then then you can see why that's a sort of a good community service. And if that then scales, then that's a possibility. But I do agree with you that it feels like this will be incremental from the business point of view, not a real game changer. Next, the end of an era in TV. Unmade. Last night kicked off the final week of the official TV ratings year. TV Black Box yesterday described this as the end of an era with what appears to be the last of Eddie Maguire's millionaire hot seat on nine. He used to be Eddie everywhere. Now, is he Eddie anywhere? What does the end of this legacy mean? Yeah, look, and you you do make a, a a really great point. You know, there's been for for most of the last two decades, it was as you say, Eddie. Ever you know, for a while, he was even the CEO of Nine as well. Don't forget that weird looking no. episode. But he had the top rating breakfast show, or, um, or commercial breakfast show, commercial FM breakfast show. People get so cross if I forget to say FM in Melbourne with the hot breakfast for Triple M for a while. He was also doing a lot of the AFL coverage for Nine um, out of Melbourne. Um, 
and um, of course also uh, president of Collingwood for a while. Um, all that along with doing what what started as Millionaire Hot Seat nearly 25 years ago didn't quite make the 25 year anniversary that would have been april because it was 1999 it started um and then millionaire hot seat which let's not forget it was an absolute sensation at the time it kind of it was a it was a i think a british format but definitely it was a format that went around the world and it just offered that simple format that if you you got the was it 12 questions right 16 questions i forget how many but if you got them all right you won million pounds or a million dollars depending where in the world um you were and then that evolved to the kind of the tighter millionaire hot seat which just became an absolute part of the staple of nine's early evening schedule and of course it's really important with 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 television to to build routines and that was a big part of it but yeah the um the last episode at least for now because they're not officially calling it axed so it could come back one day or in specials or something but um, for now, the last episode will go out on Wednesday and then be replaced with uh, Tipping Point, which is the um, the new one, again, an overseas format with Todd Woodridge. Speaking of nine, it's been reported today that they're closing in on the Melbourne Cup. Back to the Australian again for this one. So this suggests that the nine is inching closer to a deal with... Um, uh, the Victoria Racing Club and um, Tab Corp to uh, have the rights to show the, well, it used to be the race that stops the nation. Is it? Is it still? I'm not quite sure it's got the same luster anymore, but um, but certainly the uh, the biggest horse racing in uh, the biggest horse race in Australia. Um, uh, we had known already that um, uh, seven and ten were out of the race, so it does make sense that it would be nine. And yeah, according to the Australian, they're nearly there. You mentioned, I think, a few weeks ago, we talked about ratings. They have been declining. It seems the deal it hasn't really been that particularly attractive to the TV networks. Yeah, a couple of reasons there, I think. One is, and, and you know, this is more boasting rights because, you know, the, 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 the sponsors understand the dynamics. If you look at the Oztam numbers for, um, for the Melbourne Cup, they're never as good as they actually are because Oztam measures in home viewing. And of course, this is a race that's on during the day. So people often aren't at home. So it's, you know, people popping out to the pub or watching it in the office. Um, of course, it did bounce back during the pandemic when we were all uh, locked at home. Um, so, but, but, but that said, you know, advertisers buy the ads knowing that that's the case. So that that's not the, the key one beyond the boasting rights. Um, but a few other things coming along. We've got the betting legislation coming through. Um, and then we've just got the complexity of um, the deal itself, which um, there, 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 there does seem to be sort of various conditions attached over whether the network will be able to have their own broadcasters, for instance, you know, sort of voicing the race or whether that will be more closely tied to um, to Tabcorp, for instance. So um, it, it all became not particularly attractive. So, so yeah, you can sort of, you can, you, you can certainly see why 10 chose to, 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 drop out of owning that even though i'm sure they you know would have dearly loved to have found a way to hang on just because they don't have that many um sporting rights so it was one that they did own 
and, and gambling legislation seems to be tightening up, or there's at least there's appetite for that. Do you think that's that's kind of affected or impacted the this whole deal? Yeah, look, there's definitely some uncertainty there because, of course, um, if suddenly you're limited in how and where you can air betting ads, they're such a big part of that sort of broadcast that that becomes a really unreliable revenue stream. You know, this one sits in the hands of Michelle Rowland at the moment, the communications minister. Um, we'll probably hear from her... Uh, the closer we get to Christmas, the less likely, obviously, because time is linear, but the less likely it happens this year. Um, but it's all part of her um, big ongoing look at uh, media regulations at the moment. So that just creates even more uncertainty. Well, that's it for today. We'd love to hear what you think at letters at unmade.media. That's letters at unmade.media. Sergio will be back tomorrow with Tuesdata tackling the reputational fallout for Optus a fortnight on from its disastrous network failure. If you want to read that, you'll need to be a paying member, though. Go to unmade.media to find out how. And if you enjoy Start the Week, please give us a five-star rating on your favourite podcatcher. It helps other people find us. Today's podcast was produced with the usual enthusiastic support of Abe's Audio. See you next time. Toodle pep. Un- Made. Podcast edit by Abe's Audio.